Hi, this is Donna Otto, and I'm beginning the show with laughing. <laughs> My producer said to me, if you are so wonderful when you laugh, you should laugh. And I started to laugh, and I remembered this guy who was on the Johnny Carson show years ago. I mean, really 35 years ago. And he came to the stage. You know how Carson brought all these new talents. He came to the stage and he started laughing like, <laughs> and, and I thought, this man is there just going to boo him off the shelf. He laughed for 12 minutes in a row. I have never laughed so hard in my whole life. And it reminds me of that. When you laugh, others laugh too. And I love life, and I love all of you, and you bring great merriment to my heart, great merriment to my heart. And if we were sitting down together across the table having a cup of coffee or tea, depends on what you prefer, I know that we'd have not only serious exchange, but laughter. I don't know, maybe I'm going to start telling jokes around here that like laugh. If I tell jokes, you'll not come back. I promise you for that. Well, thank you for letting me be myself in these broadcasts. I am Donna Otto, and this is Modern Homemakers, and I am just delighted to be with you. It is not easy to get here. It is not easy to do all of the things that we do to prepare these lectures, to podcast them, record them, send them, download them, all the things that allow you, wherever you live around this globe, to hear my raspy voice. But I'm delighted to be with you. And I do often think that one day we will meet one another. And thank you to my friend in Germany who told me, anytime, I'm, I'll be there. So when we get to Germany, I'm coming to see you. And thanks for the invitation. So we're talking about changes of the heart, changes of the heart. And I'm probably going to say in every one of these shows how this phrase change my heart, O oh God, which was a small course in the 80s, make it ever new, change my heart, O oh God, may I be like you, it was really, it got into my, my veins, it got into my molecules, it, it was repetitive, and I could hear it and sing it and think it, and when I get in a situation, I remember one of my dearest friends in the world, we were on an elevator platform out of the San Francisco Bay Area, much too late for two women. We, we talked that night saying our husbands would not be happy if they knew what we had just done. But it was 1130 at night and we had to get back to the city in our hotel and we just did it. But suddenly we became aware of two women in this big city and how would we ward anybody off? We didn't even have very big purses and we decided we would sing out loud <laughs> and we did. We sang out loud in our off key and we sang hymns and choruses. And that night we sang, Change My Heart, O God. And this phrase from this time of preparation for Lent, preparation for Easter, I should say, called Lent. And this time, change my heart. I think I enter into this time of preparation every year with that phrase as a part of the mantra for the season. Jesus is at the heart of my very heart change. And as we set forth in these next days to set apart a 40 days of preparation to the resurrection and Good Friday, I just want to remind you that Jesus came and he called his disciples to come. He called them to come to follow, and to stay. He told them 
they would be changed. They would be transformed. And really the disciples, the first disciples, were immediately transformed in some way. They left their jobs. They laid down their nets and they followed him. He was a bizarre, unusual individual. And they began to see differences. It starts in the heart and it's a continuous. In Isaiah chapter 6, he talks about the whole world will be full of his glory. And in the small book of Habakkuk, chapter 2, he talks about the knowledge of the glory of God. How do I get the stuff that's in my heart, the junk that's in my heart, the judgment that's in my heart, the feelings that are in my heart that are not even positive, much less holy? Well, it starts in the heart, and it stays in the heart, and it lasts for a lifetime. I want to say that again. It starts in the heart and it stays in the heart and it lasts for a lifetime. Don't think for a moment that you're going to have one impeccable change and it's never going to happen again because that's not how it works. It's ongoing. If we are still 25 years after saying you want to make the Lord of the world the Lord of your life and put your full trust in him, if you're still talking about that experience and not the experience of last Sunday or yesterday in your own private devotions of faith, then you're stuck somewhere and are not getting the fullness of his desire to be full of his glory and change. Our ideas, our beliefs, our feelings, our habits of choice, our bodily tendencies are all about the change. Forty years ago, I drank real Coca-Cola by the half by the liter. My husband would surprise me sometimes. He'd stop on the way home from work and buy me a liter of Coca-Cola as a sweet gesture of I love you. Can you imagine? And then my doctor said to me, my dentist, he said, well, you can keep doing that if you want, but your teeth are going to fall out. My teeth are going to fall out. My wise old friend of many years ago told me there were two things I had to worry about. That was my teeth and my feet. Well, now my dentist tell me if I don't give up this Coke, I'm, my teeth are going to fall out. So I gave up Coke. Was it easy? No. And what did I do? I migrated to diet Coke because it had less sugar in it. And then one day... I thought, this Diet Coke has all this phosphor in it, and I should stop that. Forty years later, can I tell you, if you put Coke in my mouth right now, I, I think I'd probably want to spit it out because it would be so strong and so different than what I'm accustomed to. So don't tell me that you can't change. You can. Your body can change. Your habits can change. Your feelings can change. Your beliefs can change. Your social relationships can change. And when we gather together and and become like a movement, like the spiritual formation movement has been, we can change our hearts. We can't do it alone, but we can do it with his help. So how's your heart? You must all know that I began this heart of adventure by force. Yep, someone very near to me derailed me and it caused me to stop and look at my own heart. It was painful, very painful. But in hindsight, I'm very grateful. Wow, I found stashes of idols, self-protection, self-absorption, being right. Oh, do I love to be right. 
I, I don't just like to win. I like to be right. And I discovered there's a difference there, but they're all on the same side of the page. It doesn't matter. I was close-minded about things. I didn't want to accept this or that. And I knew that I needed change. It was clear. But I knew that I couldn't change just by my own force or will. I knew that I was his chosen one. Colossians 3 tells me that I'm his chosen one. I had a life in him because Philippians 2 tells me that my life is in him, hidden in him, and that my heart could allow for change. I knew that I was the kingdom of God, not just by my church affiliation, but I knew that I was a part of what Paul talks about in Acts, the the church that he called us to be Jesus to others. And I knew that no matter how confused or difficult my relationships were, that God wanted to change my heart. There's some general acceptance by the age of 40 that we've set our heart in some direction. And may I tell you that I believe that there's partial truth to that, that we set our heart towards something. And by the time we get to 40, we either feel satisfied with ourselves enough or things have been so tough, we think there can never be any difference and we just get stuck there. And I'm here to tell you that I believe that change is eminent, that it is never too late. It is never too late with God. Now, I also had a very adaptable heart. I had to have an adaptable heart. My childhood and early life was very tumultuous, and some of you have heard parts of that story. It was more painful to me than uh, I even realized. Pain was thrust upon me, and some of the pain I thrust upon myself by making terrible, horrible, no good, bad (laughs) choices. No heeding the wisdom of others. I just desired to get what I wanted, and even if it was wrong, I pursued it. And like peace and the resources that come when the scarcity goes away and creating a family, I thought if I just did some stuff, that would work. I would just start being different. And I put on my white robe of change, and I changed some of my habits. I did. I stopped doing this, and I stopped doing that. Started doing this, I started doing that. I remember clearly changing my schedule. Someone had said, if you take your monthly calendar and you fill it in, just fill it in with stuff. Things that you've committed to do to someone. And then you just begin to continue to do it. You'll be a woman of your word and you'll not have bad slouchy habits. Did I have bad slouchy habits? Oh, my terrible bad slouchy habits. You've all heard me tell the story about my reading, my novel reading, which I had to give up thoroughly for a passage of my life to get back on track. Because every, every moment of the day, I was thinking about that novel and how it was going and what I was going to do next. And it was a big, fat series, you know, 800 pages, three fat books, trilogy of some sort. Can't even remember the name of it now. And I could feel that I needed this change, and it had to be a choice of my heart. Well, we here at Modern Homemakers, board members, staff, volunteers, all want to encourage you by saying that choices of the heart matter and that the hidden heart, and it can be hidden to others very long, is about what we're talking about. Think of the stars and personality whose lives of goodness and respectability are projected out on us for decades, and then suddenly we see individuals walking into prison in handcuffs because of these dreadful things that they have hidden in their heart. How is this possible? I'm always stunned by it. 
I think it's more notable in 2019 than other decades because there's so much busyness and noise and lacking of regular quiet. And it's easy to hide in all that noise. It's easy to hide from myself and it's easy to hide from each other. We have less relationships. Uh, in my lifetime, 35 years ago, we were told that to be healthy in our relationships, we had six people we could call sort of in the middle of the night. Close people. Six. Do you know what the recent number is that we should be glad we have? One. Why is that? Because we don't have time for building relationships, for sitting around and chewing the fat and having coffee and telling every jot and tittle of our lives that nobody really cares about. One of my dearest friends in the world, I'll never forget how we started our friendship and the series part of it. It was her idea. She said, why don't you bring your childhood albums over and I'll get mine out and we'll look at them and we'll talk about it. <laughs> I can still remember the feeling I had when she said that and the time we had together. The busyness. I have to tell you that sometimes this Wednesday that I set aside for quiet, Sabbath, I eat it up with getting ready for things. I eat it up. And I want to encourage you that this change of heart is talked about in the scripture and he gives you the promise. He says, O oh Lord, search my heart. The psalmist cries in, verse, in Psalm 139. And in Psalm 51, he says, You, God, desire the truth in my inward being. Therefore, teach me the wisdoms in my secret heart. God knew that I would have a secret heart. And there's no one who knows that secret heart but God. Not my best friend, not my husband, not my pastor, not anyone but God. And I have to have time with him to have this reforming done, this transformation done. It's his mercy and grace and kindness that leads us to repentance. I don't know, but this seems like a good time to pause for a minute and say, have you ever placed your full trust in him? Have you taken on the more easier ways of following Jesus, the external ways? You go to church, you attend a Bible study, maybe you go to a couple's class, maybe you go to a parenting class. These are excellent activities, but they're activities. They're external. But what about your internal, yourself, your family? Are there things that prop you up and make you who you are, your education, your resources, your family's money or absence of it? your husband, your culture, your kids. The list can be long about the things that we want to change or we want to invest in. And we think if we do these things in the external, it will make a difference. But take 30 seconds. Take it with me right now. Did you hear anything in that 30 seconds that might connect you in a closer way to Christ? Take 30 seconds from time to time and say, show me, Lord, what is the interior of my heart and what is it you want me to do? Things of the Spirit. I want to caution you in the word spirit and spirituality. It's quite a big buzzword these days. And all spirituality is not about Jesus and the Trinity. We are a post-Christian nation, and don't you forget that. Our forefathers had an intent to create a Christian nation, 
my husband is a very thoughtful man, and he has said for a number of years now that we were once a culture of morality, even after we left looking for crystal-centric way of life. And then we were a culture of legality. If it was legal, we could do it. And now we are a culture of getting away with it. Whatever we can get away with, we attempt. These changes around us affect us. Jesus is in the wilderness. Forty days, he is famished, he is starving. And the evil one that speaks to him and says, come, let me give you food. Let me turn these rocks into bread. And Jesus says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. And I'm calling you to look at what you are living by. Are you living by the words of others? Are you living by your own thoughts or your own feelings? Or are you living by the things that God has given you to live by? You've been raised in American culture. Maybe you're living in another culture now. Yet the inner change must be personal. It's inner. It's not outer. It's about a relationship with trust to Jesus. It's about promises that he has made to us. He tells us he will never, never, never to the fifth power leave us or forsake us. Your goal and my goal should be trusting in that promise and not being concerned about all the things that make our culture afraid. I, I recently had someone describing to me, I needed to be more careful. And I said, well, well about what? Well, you gave someone your business card. It has your phone number on it. And in your pictures that someone posted on Facebook, your name and address was there. And I thought, oh my goodness, it was a candid shot someone took, I'm sure, because I don't post on Facebook. But it's true. And I could be frightful that my identity may be stolen. It may be. Well, I want to be careful and use all the power I can to be intentional about what he has given me. But I don't want to get in a place where I think my culture is in charge. I want to be in a place where I know that Christ is in charge. And I'm going to end our time by reading a couple of verses to you. John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. I give you a new commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. It is the love within us, the love that Paul talks about in Galatians, that Christ is being formed inside of me. I cried out for more being formed in him. And I went to my church and I went to my knowledge and I learned a lot of things. But Paul tells us that we're not to be righteous like the Pharisees. We're to have more righteousness than the Pharisees. They did all the right things. All 633 rules, they did them all. He doesn't want us to jump in the rut of ease and doing them all like everyone else. He wants us to follow after him and that our inner heart will look like his. The spiritual formation movement of the 70s is here it is calling us, it is beckoning us to find change, change of the heart, transformation from one glory to another. It has tried to offer us the answers of heart change. And we're talking about cultivating a heart that is ready for change. I want to ask you a question as we end our time today. Are you aware enough to want inner change? If not, do you desire to be aware?
It is my prayer for you as you listen to these podcasts about changing your heart, that you will have a new awareness, a new hunger to have an inner change and be transformed in him. Remember, the common begin and the uncommon finish. Go on and make it a very uncommon day of desiring his inner heart.